Well, good morning, Four Points. How are you doing? Good. Listen, guys, I want to let you in on a little behind the scenes at Four Points uh, moment, a little periscope moment for us. Um, I don't know what you've been feeling today. I don't know what you've been feeling this week. But as a staff, we were talking this morning during our volunteer rally about how there's just been a burden in our hearts. And some of that, I'm sure, has to do with us and us walking with the Lord. And most of it, I think, has to do with spiritual warfare. Do you know that the devil likes to get in the way when God is doing something? He does. But I believe that some of that burden is for you. I don't know what burden you've been carrying this week. We've been carrying it with you. And more important than that, Jesus has been walking with you and carrying you through it. Because he is victorious. Amen? Amen. We're starting a new series today. We're going to jump in. But before we do, I want to let you know about something new and exciting here at Four Points. We are starting a new class called Discover Four Points. Anybody want to guess what that's about? <laughs> it's all in the name. Um, Discover Four Points. What we're going to be doing the second weekend of every month on Sunday morning during the 930 service, we're going to be having a class um, that's going to meet, and we're just going to talk about who we are as a church, what we believe as a church, how you can be involved in our church community here. And I want to encourage you um, to show up. You can sign up for that class, or you can just show up for that class. The first one is going to be August 11th during the 930 service. We'd love to have you come find out more about who we are, because for some of you, uh, this is your first time here. And you may have been coming for a long time, um, but you, you just don't really know what Four Points is about. And we would love for you to know uh, what we're about and what God is doing here. So we'd love for you to come to that class. So keep that in your mind. Discover Four Points. We're starting a new series today called The Daily Grind. Anybody know what The Daily Grind is? The Daily Grind is our day-to-day -day stuff, right? It's the stuff of life. You and I, we get together on Sundays and we get into the Word and we worship have incredible times of worship, but you know what? We like right when church is over, we go back to life, don't we? And we're all fighting battles in life. Are you fighting any battles in your life? The daily grind, the battles of work, the battles of relationships, the battles of conflict, the battles in marriage. Been married for 16 years, we still have battles. Can I get an amen? The daily stuff, being a parent. We're going to talk about all of this, but today I want to start by talking about the greatest battle you and I face in the daily grind. And the greatest battle you and I face is the battle we face within ourselves. The greatest battle of all the battles you fight is within you and me. It's how we perceive the Lord. It's how we perceive ourselves. And the way that we perceive God and the way that we perceive ourselves through him will dictate to us how we live our lives in all of the other decisions. The biggest battle we will fight in our daily grind is the battle we fight within ourselves. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8.
Luke chapter 8. We are going to read a crazy story. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, says this. Then they, this is Jesus and his disciples, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes, sketchy, or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirits to come out of the man. Many times it, these spirits, had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demons into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. I want us to pause for a moment and think about this guy. Jesus travels across the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and he encounters this guy that we would all consider to be absolutely crazy, right? He's not wearing any clothes, doesn't live in a house. He lives in tombs at a graveyard, right? And he's chained hand and foot. I mean, obviously this guy was harming himself, harming people. And so they had him chained up and he was living in these tombs, guys. But here's the question that I have is how did he get there? I mean, we can all agree this morning that this is extreme. But how did he get there? I mean, this guy was at such a place. Jesus asked him, he said, what is your name? He didn't even know who he was. His response was legion, which is Roman for an army. So here's this guy who basically has an army of demons living inside of him and influencing him. But he's lost himself. He doesn't even know who he is anymore. How did he get there? And they, the demons, begged Jesus, is verse 31, they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss, which is it's like hell. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off, obviously, and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, they found the man, the crazy man, from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So guys, listen. It's kind of a strange story, right? Especially about the pigs. 
But here's what's going on. These demons, they knew the writing on the wall. As soon as Jesus showed up, they knew what Jesus was about. They knew when Jesus saw this man being tormented that he wasn't going to be a bystander, was he? He was going to do something about it. And so their next best plan was to run a herd of pigs off of a cliff to be a distraction to what God was doing. And it worked, right? Because all the people in the town, even though they could see this guy, whole sitting in front of Jesus, I mean, he must have been talking because they knew he was in his right mind. He must have been telling people as they were coming up, being like, you know, Bill? You know, I don't know what his name was. He didn't know what his name was. But he was, t- he was talking to him. He was being normal. But because these pigs ran off a cliff and, and the people in the region of the Gerasenes started to feel weird about everything that was going on, they ran Jesus off. Now, this is a whole other sermon, but listen, God is going to do things in your life that are going to shock you. God is going to work in your life in ways that you don't expect. Here's our problem, especially as Americans. <laughs> we work hard to have life under control. We really try to be under control. The problem is God doesn't work within our parameters. He's always surprising us. And God wants to work outside of your parameters this morning. Don't chase him off. When Jesus makes you feel uncomfortable today, don't tell him to go away. Tell him to stay. So Jesus got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with them. (laughs) Right? I mean, he had just been set free. He was like, Jesus, I'll go anywhere with you. I'll do anything you want me to do. Just bring me along. Just let me come with you. Do you remember when you gave your heart to Jesus? Do you remember when you felt that way? Whatever you want, Jesus. Just take me with you. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This is Jesus responding to the pigs running off, (laughs) right? He says, you know what? Be a living testimony, right? The whole town might've run off and told me to leave. You stay. Tell them what happened to you. Tell them how you were set free. So here's one question I want to ask us this morning. What demons do you have? I'm not asking you if you're demon possessed. (laughs) Probably not. Although I've seen demon possessed people, guys. I've seen it. You go outside America, you see a lot of things because the devil, he's trying to make atheists in America. So he tries to stay pretty quiet. But you go outside of America, you see stuff. I've seen demon-possessed people. There's no doubt somebody might have been possessed by a demon who's come into four points, but it's probably not you this morning. But listen, the devil doesn't need to possess you to be working in your life. The devil doesn't have to possess you to be getting what he wants from you. You can be a Christian and the devil have a foothold in your life. 
You can be a Christian and the devil still be getting his way in some areas of our lives. So what demons do you have? You know, this guy, I don't think he became the demoniac overnight. I mean, he was a human person. We don't get the whole story. The Bible doesn't always give us the whole story. But at one point, he was a child. He grew up like my sons. But here's what happened, guys. A series of decisions in his life led him to the place where he was bound. It wasn't one choice. I doubt he went to some kind of seance and a bunch of demons went into him. Those demons probably came because they were invited by decisions he made in his life. How many know that sin spirals? Here's how sin works in our lives, guys. We make a compromising decision and we say, you know what, just this once. But you and I, we know, don't we, that it's never just once. Never. It's never just once. We think it is, but it's not. Here's what it looks like in the life of a believer. You make a compromising decision. You know it's not God's will. You know it's a sin. After you've done it, see, the devil tempts you with it, and then you bite, and you do it, but then afterwards, he fills you with shame and guilt. You see, he tricked you. He said, this will make you happy. But as soon as you made the decision, he made you feel awful, right? And now you feel ashamed. The Holy Spirit reaches out to you and says, you know what? You don't have to feel the shame. Come back to me, but you don't listen. You feel too ashamed. So the devil comes back for a second attack. You're already weak. Why not? So then it becomes a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. And your life begins to feel like this till you find yourself at the bottom. Or you find yourself like this guy in the story where you don't even know your name anymore. How many of you, how many of us look back on your life and you say, I never thought it would look like this? I never thought I'd be divorced. <laughs> I never thought I would have made that decision. I would have never thought I would serve time. I would have never thought I would make that financial decision. I would have never thought, right? L listen, guys, this is all of us. We all sin. We all make bad choices. But sin spirals. When I was a young Christian, a guy shared this quote with me. I thought it was pretty good. If you ever look through one of my Bibles, <laughs> I always write quotes in the front that I hear somewhere that help me in my spiritual walk. And this is one I heard when I was really young. Sin will always take you further than you wanted to go and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Sin will always take you further than you wanted to go. Satan doesn't show you the end from the beginning. He just tempts you in the here and now. And it keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. You find out, man, this is really hard to stop. 
One of the things I've had a lot of opportunity to do in, in my ministry is, is work with people who are homeless. Okay, and this is just one example. But whenever I'm talking to or someone who's homeless, I always have this feeling inside of me. I'm like, I wonder how they got here, you know? Like, it's easy to stand outside and judge, be like, oh, they don't work hard. Well, man, I don't know how hard you'd work if you had their story either. You see, we don't know the story. We don't know what got them to that point. A lot of these guys and ladies are veterans. They went to war. And when they got home, they didn't get the help they needed to, to operate in a healthy way in life. And they found themselves at the end. Right? Or maybe someone had a hip replacement. Had to take medication. That medication was just a little too appealing. You see, it, it, helped, it helped with the pain in the hip, but it also helped null some of the pain inside. And a drug became an addiction. You know, or some teenage kid is hanging out with his friends and they're smoking marijuana and they're laughing it up and somebody, you know, says, hey, you know, I've got meth. You want to try that? You know? And then they get hooked on a drug. You can't get off it. So where do you go? You spiral. This guy didn't get there overnight. And in the same way, the decisions that you and I make, they play into the story of our lives. The decisions we make today will dictate for us what happens to us in the future. This is so hard for us because we want to feel like we have control. Here's, here's the real stinky thought of the day. You're not in control. You're not in control. Here's a really scary thought. I believe that every one of us are one bad decision away from finding ourselves feeling like life is spiraling out of control. Just one inappropriate relationship. Just one bad financial decision. Right? Sometimes people commit suicide. I think to myself, I wonder if they thought about it for three seconds more. Can't take that one back. We're all on the edge. We could all make a decision that would put us in the place where this guy is at. Here's my second question. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? If you're like me, as soon as I said, what demons do you have? I immediately thought of my sin struggles, right? What are you struggling with? Well, that and this and that, right? And this. And if you're anything like me, you've got this list going in your mind and you're like, okay, well, <clears throat> after church today, um, I'm going to stop it. Thank you for the reminder, Pastor Phil. I'm going to be out of that one by the end of the day. <laughs> ah, no, you won't. I'm no, I'm no longer going to turn my computer on after midnight. Okay. I'm going to have patience when I argue with my wife from now on. Okay. 
I mean, come on. Are, are you like me? Are you like me that you've made resolutions all the time and you break them all the time? We find ourselves in places where we don't want to be. You might be trying to formulate a plan. Here's, a, here's another scary thing. Do you know that as a Christian, when we make compromising decisions and we sin, right? The Holy Spirit speaks to us, doesn't he? It's called conviction. I feel that. I feel the Holy Spirit be like, Phil, that was not, don't, mm, you know? Don't, mm, you know? And a lot of times he'll do that before I do something bad, <laughs> right? But even afterwards, Phil, that, that was the wrong choice, man, but come home, come home, come home. But what happens, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes to me and says, Phil, don't act that way. And I just push through it. It's like eating my broccoli as a toddler. You know what I mean? It's like, mom just made me eat it. Okay, you know, I put like all the pieces in at one time, chew them and swallow them. But I didn't mean it. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just push through the Holy Spirit talking to me and just do what I want to do. So do you. Here's the problem. When we do that, the Holy Spirit's voice starts to become quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. And before you realize it, you don't feel anything. Before you realize it, you don't even know the stuff that's in your life. You don't see it anymore. It feels normal to you. This, this, by the way, is another reason why we are better together. Do you know that someone who knows you probably knows some of your struggles better than you? Because you and I become blind to our own sins, but other people, they can see it, right, Stephen? Stephen can come and tell me he sees something in my life because he'll see some things I don't see. But you might be so deep in your sin struggle this morning, guys, that you don't know who you are anymore. You just came to church today because you felt the Holy Spirit draw you to church, but you don't know what to do once you leave. Maybe you come every Sunday, but there's a hidden life. There's things going on. You, you show up at church and you just, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm going to look like my life is together because everyone else's life is together, but I'm going to go to church. Listen, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> But you don't have to fake it because none of us are okay. We're all broken. I'm not going to judge you. This is a place where you can be honest and you need to be honest. Because we can get so deep in our sin that we don't recognize ourselves anymore. One of the things I did in college, I did a lot of stupid things in college, but one of the things I did in college was I would sometimes go, not real rock climbing, you know what I mean? I've, this, this guy never had a harness on, you know what I'm saying? Like, this guy never had chalk on his hands. I, this is not that. But me and some guys went to this waterfall where people went to all the time, and we would climb it. Not in the water, obviously, that doesn't work. Um, but we would climb the dry parts pseudo dry parts up the side of this waterfall, especially if there were girls around we want to show off for. On this particular day, I had gotten about three quarters of the way up and this thing was high, guys. I mean, very high. I had gotten three quarters of the way up and I slipped. And luckily I slipped where there was a little bit of a flat part there. And I slipped and I fell on my stomach and now like I was a little bit wet because I fell. And I was thinking to myself, okay, Phil, you, you, you fell, but you got this. I was more agile then than I am now. 
You know, and I was like, okay, just find something to grab. You'll stop slipping. Just grab something. You know, even if you find something, you can get a fingertip in. You can, you can hold yourself. You're not slipping fast. Just get hold of something. And I searched and searched and couldn't find anything to grab a hold of as my body just kept slipping. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I had this moment where chills just went over my whole body and I was like, oh crap. I've got nothing to do. I'm sliding off this rock and I've got nothing to grab. I'm going to (laughs) die. And right then, right when that terror hit me, where I knew I was helpless, a friend reached down. I heard someone call my name and a friend reached down and grabbed my hand and one of the other guys grabbed him and they pulled me back onto the dry part. That's just one illustration in my life where I felt helpless. But here's the truth, guys. We are all helpless. It was a trick question when I said, what are you going to do about it? Because you and I can't save ourselves. In the same way that I couldn't pull myself up that rock, you can't overcome the drama in your life by yourself. You can't overcome the addiction in your life yourself. You can't do it. And if you keep trying to do it your way, you're going to find yourself at the bottom. You and I can't do something about it, but listen, Jesus did something about it. Jesus did something about it. Let's go back to this garrison man full of demons, right? If you and I saw him, we would run away, right? This is not the kind of person we would have an outreach, you know, to go and get. If I had just been riding a boat and I pulled up on a beach and a guy came running out with chains on, you know, I would run away, right? And so would you. But this is just the kind of guy Jesus was looking for. Do you know that Jesus knew that guy was there? Before Jesus ever got in the boat, on the other side of the lake, he knew just where to park that boat, where this guy would be. Because Jesus went looking for him. The way that Jesus went looking for you. The way that Jesus went looking for me. You may be here this morning thinking, I don't know why I came to church. I know. Because Jesus is looking for you. You see, we retreat from brokenness. But God is drawn to it. Because Jesus is in the business of fixing broken lives. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says this, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I'm going to stop there. Because you and I were helpless, Jesus came. 
I want to let you in on a little truth if you don't know it already. God knows you. He knows me. Before I was ever born, he knew every good decision I would make and he knew every bad decision I would make. He saw the whole package. (laughs) Preacher Phil and screwed up Phil. All of it. Sees it all. And he knew that before he decided to give his life for me. He still chose to do it. He came to you and me when we were helpless. The biggest battle you and I are ever going to fight, though, is the battle inside. Because even though that is true, we don't always realize it, do we? Jesus won the battle within us. When Jesus gave his life for you, he died so that you wouldn't have to feel shame. He died so your heart, my heart could be filled so that we wouldn't have to be tempted. He gave us a way out. The problem is we don't always receive what Jesus has done for us. We too often listen to the enemy when he talks to us or listen to ourselves and we talk to ourselves like Pastor Stephen talked about last week. Right? Don't believe everything you tell yourself. We screw up and the Holy Spirit says, come home. Just come home. And the enemy or our own minds, we say, no, I can't. It was too bad. Jesus says, look, I can fix that. And we say, no one can fix that. And even though God is moving closer to us, we're backing up. And this is how the spiral happens. This is how we find ourselves in chains. This is how we find ourselves someplace we never thought we would be. Because we're retreating when God is drawing in. Because we don't believe him. But the battle's already been won. I was hanging out with some friends these last four days in Ohio with some family, and our kids love to play sports. So they were all playing baseball, and we have enough cousins to have a baseball team. And they played all day long. I played some of the day. Um, But at one part in the game, they were having a home run derby where one of the uncles would pitch them, you know, the ball, and they would hit it as far as they could, and they had like a designated line where the home runs would be. And one of the kids was hitting home runs and had gotten more home runs, right? But right at that point, one of the other cousins was like, well, no, actually, in order to win, (laughs) you need to do this, right? Change the rules, right? And that's what the enemy does with you. Like Jesus already won the battle for your heart. Jesus already won the battle for your life. But the enemy comes in and he says, no, not, not actually, Jesus may have paid for your sins, but you still need to. Jesus paid for your sins, but you're still not good enough because. But Satan doesn't get to make the rules. You don't get to make the rules. 
God makes the rules. God's the only one who's right all the time. He sets the standard. His holiness is the standard. But the enemy, either if you're not a believer today, the enemy's coming to you saying you can't be saved. Or if you're a Christian, the devil wants to defeat you today and to convince you that you can't have the victory. But Jesus already won the victory. He won the victory for your soul and he won the victory for your heart. The battle has been won. But here's what we have to do. We have to choose to be honest with God this morning. He already knows. You're not going to confess something to him he doesn't already know. He knows it. You need to be honest with yourself today. Because maybe you're the one who's been telling the lies to yourself. That's not so bad. That's all right. You'll stop when you're ready to stop. Listen, guys, sin is a lie. It's a trick. Sin and bad decisions, they they look like they're life-giving, but they always bring death. They seem like they're going to satisfy you, but they always make you hungry. Seems in the moment like it'll make you fulfilled, but it always leaves you empty. Sin only brings death. Listen, if God is speaking to you today, don't be like the people of Gerasenes that sent him away. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Receive it. Listen. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is telling you that right now. Listen to him. You don't have to be bound up anymore. You can pray a prayer like this, Jesus, I believe you're God. And I know that I am a sinner. I believe you died for me. I give you my life. Save me. Those words. Guys, God is just waiting to jump on that. You're sliding off a rock and he's got his hand out to grab you. He never left. Or maybe you're a Christian today, but the devil's been having victory in your life. Victory in your heart. The devil's convinced you, you've convinced yourself that the rules have changed. And you need to be honest with God and say, God, I know you already know about this. But I just confess, God, I've fallen short in this area of my life. Save me. Do you ever wish you had a fresh start? Like a fresh start? You can. Because Jesus gives us a new life. You have a new life when you give your life to Christ. It doesn't matter what happened before. 
And even more than that, if you're a Christian, but you've been, you've been given way, you've been given the enemy a foothold, like you can have a fresh start too. God gives us all the fresh starts we need. He knows we need them. God doesn't look on you with judgment. He looks on you in love. He sent Jesus so that he wouldn't have to judge you. Say, God, I know you know about this thing in my life. Save me. I need help. And then be honest with the people around you so we can help. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I love this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. What this passage is saying emphatically is that Jesus makes all things new. And we can have all things new today. My Uncle Fred is actually Corey's Uncle Fred, but he's a mentor in my life. One of the most godly men you could ever meet. Not perfect, but a godly guy. He lived his life before Christ as a felon. He had committed a lot of crimes. He's a crazy guy, still crazy in a different way. But a few years ago, he decided to go to the government to see if he could get his record expunged. He had lived a lot of years out of crime. And you can do that. You can apply to have your record expunged. And he did, and the government acknowledged that. They expunged his record. They took it off the books. If you look up Fred Bucci now, you won't find any of his felonies. The government took those away. And Uncle Fred told me, he said, when I was sitting there and I, and I heard that my record was being expunged, I had this moment of revelation where it was like, nobody's ever needs to know that I was a felon. I don't, need to, I don't need to tell a job interviewer. I don't need to talk about it at a background check. Like it's been taken away. That's no longer who I am. It can't follow me anymore. And guys, that's what Jesus wants to do today. He wants to expunge your record. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you surrender your life to Jesus, he will expunge the past. If you're a believer and you need help right now, God will expunge those decisions too. Today is a day for fresh starts, for new beginnings. Don't carry it around anymore. Don't live in shame anymore. Don't live in fear anymore. Don't live with the burden of your sin. You don't have to carry it. Jesus did. It's paid for. Gosh, it's not your burden anymore. Unless you want it. But Jesus took it. I want to encourage you as we enter into a time of worship. Don't send Jesus away. Respond to what he's spoken to your heart. Only you know it. And God. Give him your life. Lay the struggles at his feet. Get a fresh start. You know, something we're doing today is we're having baptisms. I'm so excited. We got like six or seven baptisms. Unless you want to be baptized and we'll baptize you too. And I want to talk about that for a moment. 
Here's why we baptize people. Here's why this tank of water, it's not a swimming pool or a jacuzzi. It's a baptismal. And the reason we get baptized, and the Bible actually commands us to be baptized, a command as a believer to be baptized. And what we're doing is here in front of everyone, we're celebrating with you the death of your old life and a resurrection into a brand new one. And this is like the greatest celebration we can have as Christians <laughs> is baptism. So I want to invite you if, you, give you. if you want to give your life to Christ today, pray that prayer that I prayed. And then go out to the lobby and say, you know what? I'm not going to waste time. Let's get baptized today. We'll do it right here, right now. Or maybe you're a Christian. You made a decision, but you haven't obeyed the Lord to be baptized. Which it sounds weird to say obeyed, right? It's fun. It's good. It's not, it's not a task. It's a, great, it's a joyful thing. Then while we're singing, just make your way to the lobby. We have extra clothes. We have everything you need to be baptized right here, right now, so that we can celebrate along with you. And we are going to have a celebration. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your truth. Lord, thank you that we are set free in your power because of who you are and because of what you've done for us. We receive the freedom. We declare that the chains are broken today. We have new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen.